The most damaging thing to an existing business is bad customer experience or a lack of planning for how you're going to deliver a great customer experience. I had a client many years ago who ran a restaurant that was struggling to get their lunchtime crowds up. They would offer these lunchtime discounts, which would spike their lunchtime crowd for only a couple days, and then traffic would die back down after that. What I discovered wasn't that their food was bad, but that the overall experience was very poor. This included the dingy lighting in the dining room that was more suited for dinner service, the lack of initial attention that the waiting staff provided, and also the confusion over where to pay their bills after lunch. So we made these quick improvements, which cost the client nothing. And all of a sudden, we saw an immediate increase in returning customers. Welcome to the Coffee Break Podcast on This Professional Life, where we sit down with our coffees and chat about our perspectives on the challenges around business and the world at large. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of This Professional Life's Coffee Break, where we sit down and have an unfiltered conversation about everything business development related. And in this episode, really want to talk about customer experience, Eric. And um, I'm going to kick it off first with why this has come top of mind. (laughs) I want to talk about it. It's because we were at uh, my son's birthday party and we were at a location that is very inundated with arcade games, um, EVs, uh, go-karting. And so when you get in there, it's, you don't know what's happening, but Mm -hmm. we booked this birthday party and we had a really bad customer experience (laughs) because right off the bat, right off the bat, you go in, no one was helping, no one explained what was happening. So anyway, so this really kind of hit me that a lot of companies don't focus their attention on customer experience. So, so that's what I want to talk about today. And I think just to set the stage a little bit in your mind, what is customer experience? In my mind, customer experience is how much responsibility a company is willing to take to be a good host. You know, like if you're going to invite someone to your birthday party, for example, right? You wouldn't, I would hope you don't just let them in your house and then you go back to your room and go to bed. Right. Because they'd be, they would be super confused and they're wondering what's happening and their expectations are completely very far away from what the reality is in that situation, right? Right. I think that customer experience is either good or bad if those realities are matching up. They ex- that that's what it seems like it is to me. Right. Yeah, and and I agree with you and I and I think we had this conversation yesterday about how sales roles I think is changing more to customer experience management roles. Mm-hmm. Um when you set it up so the customer is already at your location, they're already sold, they've already paid for it, but you got to keep that going and you got to build that loyalty in the base. So, Mm -hmm. so I agree with you on the customer experience standpoint. Um, Let's talk a bit about why this is important. So I talked just right now, I said loyalty is one thing, but what other things do you think is important when it comes to having good customer experience? Uh, It's indicative of your company's culture and it's a, I, I think in one point when when businesses don't see where they're uh, sorry, when businesses don't take responsibility for the experience of the customer, they're leaving it up to the customer to figure it out. Right. Right. So you mentioned that you, you went to the go-kart place and then you were confused because you booked in addition to the normal experience. Normally people just walk in and they 
grab a go-kart somehow, get in line. And But you had a birthday room and you had an experience booked. But what they told you to do was just check in. Hey, just check in. And you had no idea what checking in actually meant. Right. And they didn't right. define uh, that activity or that term. And I find that happens a lot too. When you go to a company and they use their own internal lingo. Okay. So uh, it could be like, hey, process this or hey, um, register or whatever it is, right? They're not really communicating with you. They're hiding behind your operations, mm. right? So have you been served? It sort of makes sense if a waiter asks you that. Right. But at the same time, it's like, have you gotten your food yet? Mm. Did you get your meal yet? That's a little bit different, right? Yeah. So they're not communicating with you really. They're just trapped in your operations. To me, it's a bad thing because that means that they're just looking at how, what their problems are. They're not looking at what your problems are. Right. You know, so um, another kind of awareness level is needed in that business experience in Mm -hmm. order for you to be treated like a real human. And I think that's just a simple, that's a very low bar, right? Right, right. if you go to fast food, I guess, you know what? A smile and a wave is already good enough because the whole point is to get through as fast as you could. Yep. But when you go to a different kind of place where they're selling you an experience and yet they're hiding behind their operations, then it's incongruent. Right. So they they sold you on a premium package. Right. But you were given like a very bare bones kind of like, hey, go register. Oh, oh or sign in or whatever it was, right? Yeah. And you had to sort of figure out yourself. And when you're figuring it out yourself as a customer, who's giving the value? Right. You're right. not getting value of that, what you paid, right? Mm-hmm. So all those things are super important because if I'm the person that's carrying the conversation, like giving the value, creating this, like almost like drinking, like throwing the Kool-Aid at myself, yeah. then there's no point for me to ever come back. Yeah. In fact, you might be thinking like, oh, I can start a competitor to <laughs> make a better business, better experience. But this is where it's, um, I think it comes down to that kind of responsibility. Yep. So you're going to have employees that hide behind operational terms, right? operational procedures that basically say, I've reached my level of responsibility and care mm-hmm. because I've done my operations. Yeah. So... An example would be if, like one time I remember my daughter spilled her super expensive smoothie at this restaurant we went to in mm-hmm. Calgary. And the waitress, I think who was actually like an owner, yep. just gave us this look where it's like, oh, great. Now I got to like clean this mess. Right. And my daughter's four mm. at that time, right? And I'm thinking, great, I just spent eight bucks on this stupid smoothie I didn't want to buy. It looks super frilly. It's got the umbrella and everything in this tall cup. And that was that. She cleaned it begrudgingly. Mm. My daughter's upset. So now, where does responsibility for our experience go? Is it up to me as a dad to be like, I'll get you another one. I'll spend another eight dollars. Yeah but I don't want to spend another $8 for it as crappy experience right now. Right. Because I feel like the owner should have done something for us. Right. Yeah. That's my opinion. They don't have to because they've operationally served me that first drink I've purchased. Mm. So 
I ended up buying another drink. Right. But we never went back. Yeah. And this is a scary thing. <clears throat> if the customer is going to generate their own experience, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking yep. about, right? Yeah, yeah. When they ask you, how's everything? How honest are you? You're not going to be. No. Some people will be. Yeah. If you, but a lot of people won't. I find that when I was in retail management, people that complained, it was a annoying and sort of a bad day sometimes when people complain, but they care enough to at least let me know. Yeah. The scary situations is when people are generating their own experiences wherever we drop the ball, right? Yeah. Uh, they don't tell you. Yeah. Because they don't want to bother. It's not, again, it's like I already took the extra, like I already spent extra money to buy that drink. Mm-hmm. And to, the reason is to give my daughter a good experience. Right. Right. For eating out or just with our family that night. But I'm not here to now further give you this insightful review. Right. To help you improve the business because I'm already, I already feel like uh, I'm doing too much. Yeah. Yep. Maybe if you compensate me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would have, like, ironically, if they had picked up the responsibility to me at that time to give us a free drink, because mm-hmm. I know cost-wise, it, yep. we, we know the markup, right? But then that would have been a key opportunity for me to leave a good review for them because I'm like, wow, you really stepped up. Yeah. But in any case, that's where I see this whole experience go for, and this is where you have no loyalty, right? but you have no feedback. Yeah. And your staff, back to the cultural part, think it's fine. Yep. If that's what the expectation is, right? Yep. So I, so I want to frame this a little bit more on a from a business development standpoint because I mean that's kind of the theme of our of what we're talking about too, and why business development individuals, sales individuals need to care about customer experience and and this is where I find that from my experience a lot of BD people, salespeople, they kind of leave that and say that's not my that's not my job right? That's someone else's job. My job was to bring in the business, lay the groundwork to get the sales in, generate new revenues. And, and my thing is this, <laughs> if BD people and salespeople don't care about the customer experience, mm. you essentially have to work 10 times harder to get that next sale. Because one of the things that is, I would say the most cost effective in generating new business is actually from your current customers. Mm-hmm. And so to your point about loyalty, leaving feedback, it's a lot cheaper from an ROI standpoint yeah, yeah. to have you come back now to that restaurant, right. to the business, to hire that lawyer again, whatever it is, than the BD person going out and establishing a whole new marketplace, you're, you're bringing in new clients, and then burning the bridge. Starting from clients. zero again, right? That you build no momentum if every single time you're sort of cornering people into yep. coming to give you business and then giving them a bad experience, right? I think it comes down to trust too. Yep. I can't trust this business if they leave me hanging after I've made a commitment. Right. 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 So we can do a whole song and dance. We can do the the meets and the, the demos and whatever else, you know, that business development part entails. Yep. And the irony is that business development, like you were saying, is developing relationships, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so you're going to do very relational things. 
But once you get into the scenario of, let's say you've committed, you signed a sales uh, purchase agreement or you're going to a restaurant, as simple as that, right? Yep. Then that's like a transactional kind of activity technically, but you can't negate the relationship that was previously built. Because if you do that, then it's like what you said, you just burn the bridges again. Yeah. So I say, don't worry about it, Chris. You're awesome. Let's do a business together. And you're like, yeah, awesome, Eric. I trust you. Yeah. You go into my office and then suddenly um, it's like you're getting nickel and dimed for everything. Yeah. I don't trust you at all, Chris. I'm nickel and dime you for every single thing just to make sure we don't miss any opportunity to extract money from you, right? Yeah. And suddenly that's not based on relationship anymore. Right. So, and you're correct. You're not going to be an advocate. Yep. You're not going to be a raving fan. You're not going to let me know. Mm-hmm. You're just going to secretly ghost me, probably. Yeah. You're like, yeah, you know, that was great. Um, Go try something else next time, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, no, and th- and that's why, you know, I I always push for, especially in big corporate firms, and I've experienced this directly, where, you know, you got your business development and salespeople, they do a great job, they bring in, you know, the new client, and then it falls short on the onboarding process, the client communication process. And then, the of course, then oh, for some reason, though, I would say this is funny. For some reason, the client exit experience somehow is on point. You've got, and you've got like the exit surveys, everything's ready to go. Right. But you, you, you forgot about the onboarding and then the, the client management. And so this is why I'm a huge advocate for BD people and salespeople to be part of that client or customer experience process. Yeah. I think it's it's super important to have that alignment uh, with the whole team that goes through. Because I, as a business development person, it is super frustrating. To your point, we're building this trust. We build a great relationship. Mm-hmm. You like me. I've sold you on the firm. Yeah. Then you come in and you're like, hey, Chris, man, I, what was that about? And you right. go through that onboarding and it's horrible. Now I look bad as a BD person yeah. and I've burnt the bridge there. And you're going to say, hey, Chris, I like you, but like, I can't buy from your firm anymore. You know, when you build really strong relationships, you might get the benefit of the doubt a few times, but you're right. Then you get fatigued yep. and you just sort of go on with it. So here's a funny thing too. The clients you end up or the customers you end up getting are going to be not great clients yep. and customers because you're going to only impress people that have never been impressed. Right. 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 People that are knowing like they that know what a great experience is is they're not gonna stay around. Right. Because once they find the better experience or they can identify, well, this is not great, then they're gonna leave. For me personally, I love Lego, mm-hmm. but I do not love Legoland. Right. Because I've been to Disneyland. Mm. And these, then the difference is just so stark. The client experience is and, totally different. And you can argue if it's price difference. Yeah, it's way cheaper to go to Legoland than to um, Disneyland. But that aside, the experience is just completely different. Yeah. It's not just scale. It's not just bells and whistles. It's just the level of responsibility that they go and take. So from the parking lot yeah. to having people like 
show you where to park, and then、mm. a tram that brings、mm-hmm. you in, and the tram has music, and you know mundane things like that, right?、Yep. To the lineup has entertainment, and the lines are long, yes, but it it's still part of the experience. Whereas、right. at Legoland, it's like here's a parking lot. Figure it out yourself. Figure it out yourself.、Right. Here is a lineup. It really is a lineup because it's just a little chain that sort of lets you line up, and、yep. it's a completely different level of responsibility. We we talked about West End and Tamal. Yep, the parking, the parking, it's horrible.、Right? Yeah. So we're in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and West End Tamal is one of the largest malls in North America.、Uh, the same owners own Mall of America as well, and the parking is horrible. And so you're driving around, you're. Initially excited to hit up, you know, the, the largest mall in North America, but then you're looking for parking, and it is horrendous. It's horrendous. So, so that alone, from a customer experience standpoint, it doesn't matter how good the stores are. No. At West Ed. No. That's why I avoid West Ed Mall like a plague. You seriously cannot find parking if you're not really aggressive and stalking people, inching your car as people are walking. And I've seriously been in that parking lot forty、yep. five minutes just. Circling around, avoiding collisions. Yeah, and there's all these columns that you can potentially like ding your car on,、mm-hmm. and the people are just frustrated. So it's a really bad environment. Yeah, I contrast that with a different mall in Calgary. Not to say this is Edmonton versus Calgary. This is literally the mall experience.、Uh, Chinook Mall in Calgary. Yep, has underground heated parking for free. Yep, it's got like this、uh, indicator even when you pull into the door. How many spots are available? Yeah, and 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 of course those green and red lights. So they have these lighting systems, and if it's a green light over the parking、yep. uh, space, it means no one's parked there. So you can easily identify where there's parking. So it makes that experience that yeah, much better. And it's not a hundred percent accurate, but at the same time, it it's way more curated. Yeah, it's way more like you can tell that they took that responsibility to provide you an experience from when you. Get on their property, yeah, yeah. Right when you turn into the property, right.、Uh, versus at Weston Mall, I would say they sort of stop short at their doors, right. Once you can walk into the mall, then it's clean, it's great, just stuff happening. But it it's up to you to figure out what you want to do with your car. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a crazy thing too.、Um, a day after we went to Weston Mall. Had a terrible parking experience. They actually had part of their parkade collapse、oh, <laughs> because、geez. of ice problems. That's not good. <laughs> so that's what I mean. Like they are neglecting that, but、yeah. it's a perspective of like, hey, we're like. I think that's when I, when I'm going back to that culture, right? Right. And even the employee kind of mo,、mm. you know, the, how they operate and、mm. how they think, because they're gonna think, well, that's outside our doors. That's not our problem. Yeah. Maybe they just think about it in terms of liability because I think the truth is this too. The more you take on as a company,、mm-hmm. it's an advantage, right? So let's say another mall understands this in Edmonton. There's another mall called Southgate Mall, way better parking experience, right? Way better、um, indicators and stuff like that.、And、ironically, well, not ironically, but it's operated by the same company that operates Chinook Mall in Calgary. Yep, the one I just referenced. But you can say that, hey, if we're gonna start overtly show that we take responsibility for parking and everything, then maybe we have more liability. Maybe we're more vulnerable. Yeah. And I think it's true, but at the same time, that's where the value comes. Right. So,、um, so one thing you touched upon that 
that I want to kind of wrap up on on the customer experience side is the attracting the right clients as well. So mm-hmm. this goes back to the biz dev people and the sales people. Um, you know, one of the things is we always talk about building your ideal client profile, right? Yeah. So you're trying to get your ideal customer, your ideal client in. The problem with horrible customer experience is that you're right. And you mentioned this before, is you end up attracting the wrong clients when you have the wrong experience because different experiences will attract different clients. And so I feel that, again, it goes back to, it just destroys your whole synergies that you have between your biz dev, your sales, your marketing, and your operational team when they don't work together. Mm -hmm. You now create this funnel of not the ideal clients and clients who who then on top of that mm-hmm. don't value. So what you try to do, and I've seen this, right? You bring in a client and it's not the right kind. It's not a good fit culturally, whatever it is, because you had bad customer experience. Mm-hmm. And so you attract these clients in and then halfway through, you're like, oh, I want to try to, you know, that low hanging fruit, organic growth. I'm going to add value. And then they're going to appreciate that. And then they're going to hire us again. And what happens is you get these clients that go, no, I'm not paying for that. Yeah, I don't want that. Like because they see zero value, you've set this up almost for failure. So I think that's a very other important thing to note when it comes to customer experience, it has to exude your culture and the ideal client that you want to bring well, in your firm. Because if you don't, it's how like many times have you over. done a branding activity with a company and they say that we're gonna be the best, we're world class, yep. <laughs> and then you go all the, to all the time. What did you tell me uh, the other day? You taught me about client personas, right? Yep. And so you make a client persona, right? And whoever makes, uh, like, which company out there makes a client persona saying, I want all the mediocre people out there to have no ambition and no, no money does. to spend. No one makes that, right? Yeah, no one and does. yet, does your client experience in the door, if not at the parking lot, okay, let's just keep it in the door for now then as a lower yep. standard. Does it meet? that level of what your client persona is, or literally, are you just fooling yourself? Should you just say, okay, we just want to attract people that have no standards? Yep. Because I've contemplated this myself a lot. And I think fortunately in some ways, the accounting industry does such a bad job of marketing that we get away with it. I'm sorry current clients, we will try to do better. But uh, that's also a legal component or, you know, compliance component, taxes. Like there's a different dynamic there. Right. But I generally find that if you're going to go to a, not that I support luxury brands per se, but they exist, mm-hmm. but they do a great job in making sure that the experience starts and ends flawlessly. Right. Because that's how they take like a $100 product and sell it for $1,500. Yep. Really, you know, but you do, you don't even have to look high end. Walmart, they spend a lot of money right. on customer experience from entering Walmart to where things are placed, right? So even even on discount sellers, well, for who I can, have the lowest me, price model. For me, I I don't like going to Walmart. It, it's but that's me personally. Again, it's a good point though because there's gonna be so many different people in this world. Yep. But at the same time, it's just to make sure that your persona Correct. lines up, which yeah. is the marketing side, right? It is. Lines up with the operationals. Yep. And also with the sales kind of situation, right? Yep. So if I go into a high-end store and all I see are like sale for sale for sale, discounts, discounts, it wouldn't make no sense. Yeah. 
On the other hand, if you go into a Walmart and all you saw were very kind of like uh, high-end expensive things, that, that wouldn't make any sense either. No, unless they were a super discounted. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I think the um, as long as you sort of are congruent mm-hmm. and maybe like your business is not as complicated or you simplify your business a little bit, then it, then it's a better experience. Yeah. Before you get head into the clouds and like doing to do the branding and to the personas, everything looks great. But yeah, so so I want to wrap this up and just kind of review how how you make a good customer or client experience. And and we've covered these points, but let's kind of review this a little bit. So if I take a look at the funnel, mm-hmm. you know, you got your biz dev, your sales team brings in brings in the customer and the client. So I think the first thing is onboarding. And it doesn't matter if it's a professional service firm yeah. or if it's a retailer mm-hmm. like the go-kart place we had. Mm-hmm. That onboarding, so if it's the retailer, it's like when customers first come into your store, mm-hmm. how do how are they received? I think for a professional services firm is what do you need to get your clients so they're comfortable with your processes, your systems, and they understand if they have any issues, who they who they need to go to. So, yeah. so I think from how to make a good customer experience, you've got your onboarding. And then the next is probably the maintenance and the communication with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, are you communicating frequently with your customer, mm-hmm. with your client? Mm-hmm. If you're a financial planner, are you in communication with your clients? We talked to Crystal on the podcast where it seems that when markets are down, there's zero communication from the financial planner. Of course, when there's a big win, big gain, they're there all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So are you communicating consistently with the customer? I think that has to be there as well. And if you're communicating when things are going well or poorly, it's important, probably more important when things are not going as planned. Yep. And I think you match the level of service to an honest assessment of how stressful your product is. Right. So what I mean by that is you went to a kid that you planned, your kids, uh, your son's, birthday party, mm-hmm. which is sort of chaotic to begin with, right? Yeah. So I feel like if they were able to give you a guided kind of experience, yep. I'll calm this down for you, yep. you wouldn't you wouldn't just see them as like, oh, this is a great go-kart experience. You, you'll see them like, wow, you guys know how to run children's birthday parties. That's amazing, right? That would impress you. This is sort of like when we travel internationally on flights and um, when airlines either look at their own problems Yep. Or they understand it's a very stressful situation and they take responsibility to extend whatever uh, they can do to calm you down, to make it sort of less chaotic. Yeah. Then that's really perceived well too, right? So I will say on that point, that's one strategy that teams, companies, and entrepreneurs can utilize is that you need to get in the mindset of your ideal client. And so for that go-karting place is you need to realize when the customer's coming in, it's already chaotic. Customers already stressed out about their kid's birthday party. Mm-hmm. So they have, they have zero, I would say, attention to all these extra noises and sounds. So it's very confusing for the parent going in. Yeah. So when you're building out that customer experience, one strategy is definitely get into the mindset of your customer almost on their worst day. So same thing with an accounting firm, right? Yeah. So 
What's one of the biggest stresses? Well, getting that letter from the tax agency, mm-hmm. uh, tax regulator saying you owe us money. That's like, as a business owner, you're freaked out because mm-hmm. I don't know, they're going to garnish my wages or something to get the payment. So almost need to put that mindset in your ideal client on their worst day yep. is coming to see you. How do you set up an experience so that it takes that anxiety away and they feel more comfortable working with you? So yeah. I think that's a big strategy. It's a lot of empathy there. But yeah. that's, uh, that's an awesome topic to talk about. We definitely can go down this rabbit hole <laughs> way more. And I think it's humbling because sometimes we get really caught up in terms of what our internal problems are, right? Yeah. Uh, and there are a lot of complexities in running a business. Yeah. And it's hard to see things with uh, fresh eyes. Yeah. But I think that's what ended up happening. So if you're day in and day out going to the business that you run, you would understand, even if you try to fool yourself to have fresh eyes, right? Yeah. But you, you generally understand how things work. Yeah. Um, you know, you might know that secret spot if there's any at Wesson Tamal, which lot is like the least busy for some reason to park at, but most people will not know that. Yeah. Um, and it's not realistic yeah. for your experience to be based on every customer having the best day ever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a great point there. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of resources out there. A customer experience is become a whole industry especially on the consulting side, the metrics and the way they measure customer satisfaction, um, loyalty, repurchasing, customer lifetime value, all those metrics they have found statistically are impacted heavily uh, by customer experience. So there's no shortage of resources out there, but it also says that companies who don't uh, focus on the customer experience along with all the other (laughs) things in the ecosystem and funnel um, are not going to succeed, especially in today's world where competition is heavy. It doesn't matter what industry you are, Mm -hmm. what's, what's unique. And that's where you have an opportunity with customer experience. So thanks for joining us on uh, coffee break (laughs) here on this professional life. Uh, Make sure to hit that subscribe and like button. And in the comments, Let us know what you want us to talk about in our next coffee break and some topics, whether it's biz dev, sales, or customer experience. Let us know. Well, we may not stay on that topic exactly, but we'll try. (laughs) All right. Take care.